a lot of times I see videographers when they're new that they try to add motion to every shot that they feel like the shot isn't good unless it's moving. They'll be on like a monopod and they'll be trying to add motion. A lot of times when you're shooting people, you just need to be still and let the action that they're doing be the motion in the shot. Let them tell the story and don't distract from that with any movement from the camera. You're listening to the Creative Habits Podcast, exploring the boundaries of creativity with artists from around the globe. And now your host, Wyatt Christman. Hey, this is Wyatt with Creative Habits Podcast. Thanks a lot for listening. This week we've got Matt Pedon, and he's a videographer uh, specializing in uh, wedding photography, and he's got some great tips on using video and images to tell a story online. So enjoy the show. Hey, this is Wyatt with Creative Habits Podcast. Thanks a lot for listening. And uh, this week we've got Matt Pedon, and really excited for this show because Matt is a videographer and he's got a great story to tell and some great tips. Um, so without further ado, uh, Matt, why don't you give us an uh, introduction of who you are for those that don't know you? Of course. I love it. And I'm so excited to be on the show today, Wyatt. I am a videographer, like Wyatt said, but I really got my start back in high school. So going into 10th grade, I wanted to be a doctor. Um, I had taken anatomy and aced it and everything. And I was loving that track. I had the mindset that I was going to go into college, pre-med. But going into 10th grade, I took chemistry class. And that class crushed my spirit, I guess. Um, I came out of that class with about a 72. And, I mean, for a 10th grader, not knowing exactly what I wanted to do for my life, you know, everything was still kind of up in the air. That 72 just really crushed me. And I went into my junior year. And took a math class, and then that math class did the same exact thing. It was just back to back. You know, every time I felt like every time I turned around, I had this class that I just could not get past. And I knew in order to be a doctor, you kind of had to know how to do some math and science. Um, so I went into my senior year and I took a journalism class just as a mini block. So it was a full year long class, 45 minutes every day. And I didn't, I thought, honestly, I thought it was going to be an easy A class that I could kind of throw in there. That way I could focus on my other stuff to go be a doctor. And in that class, I ended up, we ended up having to do videos for the school's website. And we shot the first video. They separated us off into little groups of four or five people a piece. We each had our own project. We had to go out and shoot it, edit it, deliver it to them so they could preview it and see if it was good enough to go online. So my group went out, we went out and shot the video and we hadn't previously talked about who was going to edit the video. So it, just, it was just kind of one of those silent look arounds at the group. It's like, who, who is it going to fall on? And since I was the one with the camera, I took the camera home. It kind of just naturally fell on me that I had to edit it too, because nobody else had the footage. So after school one day, I went to Zaxby's with some friends and ate with them and they all left. And I sat in Zaxby's for about four hours and just figured out how to edit that first video because I had no idea how to use the software at that point. And I found that I really enjoyed the experience of being able to see a project from the idea of what I wanted it to be through editing the final product and being able to see that final product and then deliver it. And throughout the course of the year, you know, I studied more on that just because I was kind of become addicted to the learning process of everything I could do. I started playing with the green screen technology started working on some more B-roll, some highlight-type shots to kind of make the videos look better. And it just kind of it was snowballing from that point, and I didn't realize it at first. And by the time I graduated, 
I didn't want to be a doctor anymore. I kind of grew bored with that, with the classes in comparison, you know, science versus being artistic and having my voice. And through the course of that year, I had become the class editor. So any video that anybody finished had to come through me first to see if it was good enough to be online. I was that, I guess, the top person, top editor in the class. So I'm sorry. You, so, so you got hooked. I mean, you you got that bug early on, and oh and, yeah. And what I really like about what what you did after that um, is you went and and did internships or apprenticeships, right? And and took it uh, took it old school, right? Uh, oh yeah. And and that really, I mean, in this day and age, um, you know, I think that's uh, somewhat rare anyway to just kind of take on the apprenticeship and. And uh, so what, um, you know, briefly just what motivated you to go that direction? Well, I graduated. I wanted to go to a college like Full Sail or the Art Institute or something like that, but I could not afford them. So I went to the same college that my brother went to, which was Charleston Southern University. I ended up loving it, but they didn't have a degree that had anything to do with film or video. So I went there for graphic design. Turns out I love graphic design. It really helped with the video side of things, but because they didn't have that video major, I wasn't learning anything video. So I seeked out an internship with a videographer in the area who happened to be doing weddings. And I trained under that guy. His name's Brent Thacker. Trained under him, and he kind of just showed me everything video, and it just blew my mind how great he was at video. So my style kind of developed from doing that internship with him. And anybody out there looking to do anything video as their career, definitely look at internships with somebody who's better than you. Yeah. That, that, that is invaluable. It's so amazing. Right. And, and just seeing what people do, you know, going and exploring uh, some of the videos that like you create or others create and being able to see, you know, the movement uh, and, and take it apart or even watch movies and, and take, take apart like, okay, take a scene and, and try to figure out, okay, what are they doing here to make you like that scene? Um, so for for you, what what are some of the top techniques you know you kind of employ to get the most out of video? Let's say with a basic camera, if you if you've got you know your your digital SLR camera and you've you 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 know you you can take video with those with uh, yeah. and and so what 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 kind of techniques would you you know give someone you know let's say to to use to use something like that and get get some good you know uh, oomph out of it. Yeah, without getting too like technical or too fancy. Right. Um, anybody starting out with a DSLR, if you have just a DSLR, go get a nifty fifty lens, just a fifty millimeter. You can get them if it's a, you have a Canon DSLR. They're one hundred and twenty five dollars, and they will give you this cinematic shot that has this shallow depth of field, and it's really cheap to be able to achieve that effect. You can obviously get a more expensive fifty millimeter, you know, six hundred, eighteen hundred dollars, but. You can get that nifty fifty for one hundred and twenty five dollars and get the most cinematic shots. It's crazy how great that little lens is. I have an extra one on me at all times just in case. And uh, one other thing is adding movement to your shots. That's one thing that I wanted to do when I first started out. So I went and got a glide cam, and it's just this little gimbalized uh, stabilizer that you can walk around with to stabilize your shots. Use that glide cam and a wide angle lens because the wide-angle lens will show less motion shake whenever you're walking. Um, and that allows you to add that super smooth motion, like it's, the camera's just floating. Now, you, you would use something like that over, let's say, um, the, the type of arm that kind of lifts, lifts it uh, you know, far above and then, and then comes down? Yeah, the jib. 
Yeah, yeah, the jib. The reason I don't use a jib, I don't even own a jib, yeah. because I do a lot of weddings. I, I kind of started out, like I said, I interned for the guy who was doing weddings, so I kind of just naturally fell into wedding videography. And I live in Charleston, South Carolina, so right now it's like one of the top wedding destination spots, so we're just kind of overflowing with weddings down here. Um, but we don't use it because they take too long to set up. You know, we, during a wedding day, we're just kind of running gun. Like, we're moving as quickly as possible to make sure that we can put a highlight together and shoot the ceremony and shoot all the reception formalities. There's just a hundred things going on at once. I don't have time to stop and put together the jib to get those shots. And the glide cam does allow you to get similar shots to that. And if I want any really extreme angles, then I'll pull out the drone. And that's faster than setting up a jib. Nice, a drone. Wow, that's that gets a little little more advanced, but uh, <laughs> definitely yeah. definitely worth it. Uh, so, so that's you, you advise uh, uh, some bit of motion, and that can be true for whether you're looking at a person, um, let's say, or you're looking at let's say a piece of artwork or craft. You still want that motion, right, to create interest. I. I tell people a lot of times I see videographers when they're new that they try to add motion to every shot, that they feel like the shot isn't good unless it's moving. They'll be on like a monopod and they'll be trying to add motion. A lot of times when you're shooting people, you just need to be still and let the action that they're doing be the motion in the shot. Let them tell the story and don't distract from that with any movement from the camera. Um, But if you're shooting something, an inanimate object, it's not moving. I've found that it helps to add, you know, if you have a slider or something, add a s- simple motion into there. Because if not, I found that it just looks like you're throwing a picture into your video, which can be fine if you know how to do that. But if that's not what you're going for, that's a lot of times what it ends up looking like. Right. So adding, yeah, adding that simple motion so it shows that it's a moving, you know, you're moving the camera, it adds that little emotion and attaches them in there. So right. definitely. Definitely which, look at it that way. Which you can still achieve with that same, uh, you know, tool, uh, yeah. you know, that you walk around with. Or or you can use one of those sliders, right? Those. Uh, yeah. Um, that's, what, that's what I was saying, the slider. The reason this, I use the slider is because with the glide cam, like I said, you have to have that wide lens on there. Because you're actually shaking a lot whenever you walk with it. And, you know, if you misstep or something. But that wide-angle lens helps correct for a lot of that. With the slider, you can put that 50-millimeter lens on the slider and get those very shallow depth of field tight shots that have movement. Right, right. Now, someone, you know, besides craft and and about uh, a video, is it what a lot of people, uh, you know, seem to miss from their, let's say, their website, if if they have a website, and it really helps connect uh, people to you. And it's one of the most visited pages, statistically, uh, that a person will come to is that about page, right? So, so what you've described here, a couple different techniques where you could use uh, to get um, some good about, you know, video, you know, just you on there. What, what other things could you do? Let's say you're sitting down there and you, you set up the tripod. Let's say it's just you and you want to set up the tripod a tripod what what are some things they could do to make their their about video kind of pop a little bit more um lighting is one don't have like this super bright background and then you're in the shadows because then it just it looks weird and everything in the background is going to be blown out whenever you expose yourself um, another one you can do i use this technique some is when you're shooting the video if you're shooting it in just regular hd so 1920 by 1080 if you're shooting in that, you can edit on a timeline, a sequence that's 1280 by 720. So it's a smaller frame. 
And that allows you to digitally zoom in on your video without losing any quality. So if you're talking on your about page and you want to put emphasis on something, you know, talking about something you're really getting passionate about and you're really getting into it and you want to be able to zoom in. But if you do that just on a regular timeline, you're going to lose some quality. If you edit on that smaller timeline, you can digitally zoom in without losing any quality. So it allows you to put emphasis on those words without losing anything. Nice. Nice. So now you, you do a lot of, uh, of weddings obviously. And, uh, and what are you what are you working on right now as a project? You you just got done doing a great video for for the podcast movement, right? Yeah, and that looked awesome. That looked like so much fun. And uh, just can you give us a little bit on you know uh, how how you uh, you know kind of came into be inspired to to create that one? Like you were given the project, but how did you kind of like get your inspiration for what you chose to kind of do in the video okay yeah um well how we got there first is just the background story just real quick of how we got to podcast movement um i have a guy named john lee dumas maybe you've heard of his podcast entrepreneur on fire last year i reached out to him because i honestly i really wanted to meet john and kate so that was my end goal for this but i wanted to meet him and i wanted to shoot a video for him so he was doing a webinar with a guy named David Seitman Garland for a course called Create Awesome Online Courses. And John was there literally just to bring in the numbers. So I was there because of that. And at the end of the webinar, John's like, hey, for the first 10 people that buy this course, the course was like $1,400, I think, 13 or 14. He's like, first 10 people that buy it, I'm going to sit down with you and have a 10-minute chat. And I was like, done. I spent $1,300 on the spot just to have 10 minutes to talk with John. So I took that 10 minutes. I built a back-end page on my website that he could go to after the chat, and it had some free to, for, free coupons for some audiobooks for him and Kate. So at the end of the chat, I was like, hey, John, now I really want to shoot a video for you. No strings attached. You're not paying for anything. If you hate the video, you can put it in the trash can on your computer and never have to look at it again. But I have some statistics as to why you should get a video made and why I'm the right person to make this video for you. If you head over to this page, then at a minimum, you get some free audiobooks, and you can still say no, but at least go grab the free audiobooks. So he did that, loved the idea. I went out to Podcast Movement last year and shot a video for John, and he used the video in his keynote, and then they took us on the podcast cruise last year, so we shot that video as well, and we produced the on-site sizzle, is what we call it for conferences, where we shoot the video and show it at the event. This year, going into Podcast Movement, uh, Dan and Jared called me up, and they wanted us to come out to Podcast Movement 2016. And we were on board, got to go up to Chicago for the first time, loved the city. Um, But Dan had a song picked out that they were kind of using as the theme for Podcast Movement they found online, so it was licensed and everything. So we got to use that song, which I loved the song that they had picked out. It worked out perfectly, but we know... With our videos, he's talking about the inspiration for that video and how we created it. We always like to have the establishing shots. Any of our videos you watch, I'm kind of like, that's my staple right now, is having that establishing shot to show where we are. So the video starts off with some really quick shots of Chicago and just where the event was held. So anybody watching the video knows immediately that we're in Chicago. It has the bean in there and just some different towers and that kind of stuff, the Hyatt, where where it was held. And... From then on out, honestly, it was capturing as much as we possibly could. 
of the event. We would know when certain things are going on. Like we, there's the Wayne's World guys that are there. We knew they were going to be there, so we made sure to catch up with them while they were at the event. Um, but yeah, it was capturing as much as we could so that we could show the event uh, that Friday. We turned around, shot the video for in two and a half days and showed it on that the end of that uh, third day. Nice, nice. So, you know, um, someone might think, oh, well, you just went, you set up your camera and let it run. <laughs> you know, you I go wish. to different spots, you set up a camera and let it run. But what's a, what's a good, you no, know, and that, that you could do that, but that's going to give you a lot of editing time. <laughs> yeah. So what's a good technique to edit before you're editing? So you're editing, um, you're, you're thinking about your shot. Okay, I'm going to go uh, get the, you know, Wayne's World guys what what's a good technique to kind of say you, you're probably going to get a few moments that you actually use so um how do you kind of get your brain to think about the story that you're you're going to be telling and what kind of angle to kind of get you know for these shots yeah um whenever i was interning back in college for the videographer one thing he told me he told me a lot but one thing that's really sticks with me is to think about your subject matter in 360 degrees, all the way around them. What is the most compelling angle that you can get of your subject matter to make it interesting for the people watching the video to really put them in it? And when you do that, what you have to get a tight, a medium, and a wide shot. That way, you have the establishing, you can get in and get some detail. It gives you more choices. So I'm always, every time I look at something, every because they have like, five or six rooms, probably more than that going on a podcast movement at one time. So every time I walk into a room, I'm looking at the room and I'm thinking, what is a different angle that I can get in this room without disturbing the conference? You know, I don't want to walk on stage and be getting shots over the speaker's shoulder unless they specifically ask me to do that and they did not. So for me, it's thinking about the subject matter in 360 degrees. And as far as uh, work that we do before we even shoot to kind of get a grasp on what we need. We took the song that Dan gave us, and this is what we do for our weddings as well. Whenever we do same day edits for weddings, we put the song in our editor and we go through and listen to the song and we mark out all of the beats in the song that we want to have a cut at. So if you're in Premiere Pro, which is what I use, and I'm sure every other software has their version of this too, whenever you're playing the timeline, if I hit M on my Premiere Pro, kind of like in Adobe Audition here, if you hit M, it puts down a marker. And I do that before we even shoot the event. So like two days before the event, I'm listening to the song and I'm putting down markers at the times in the song where I know I want there to be a cut. So before we even go into the event, I know how many usable shots that I need to have to make that video good. So the song is really driving a lot of that. So would you, oh, yeah. is that often the technique you'll use is to, uh, to get your inspiration is to say, well, what's, what's the song that I want to use? Kind of that song sets the mood and then you're using that song almost as a storyboard for the images that then populate throughout. Yeah, right. a, lot, a lot of times that's how it works. Like I said, we do same-day edits for weddings. So we'll show up at a wedding and shoot it and edit it and show the wedding video there three to five minutes behind, like, at the wedding reception. So in order to do that, I have to have the song picked out. And I already have, I call it beating it out. I have to have the song beat out before we even get to the wedding. So I know what the song sounds like. And I know like when there's a drop, 
I'll want it to transition to the ceremony at the church. So I know how many shots I have to have. By the end of the day, we're like, okay, I need 12 more shots. You know, this is what I want it to be. Let's go grab it real quick so we can finish it up and be able to show it. So like you said, the song is driving a lot. So you just got to keep that in mind. And there are times when I shoot videos where I have no idea what the song is going to be afterwards. And I found that having that song before, it allows you to kind of see what you want the video to be. Do you want the shots to be in slow motion or do you just want them as a regular shot? Having that kind of knowledge before you shoot is very important because it's a different way of shooting to get that slow motion effect. So I, I like having the song before. It gives you more insight to the video. So if you, if you don't use a song, do you use a storyboard then? Do you come up with kind of like, do you, meet, you know, obviously with weddings, you probably meet with them, get a kind of a flavor of what they like. And then do you create a storyboard then from that? That uh, you did you go off and if if you don't have the song, let's say, I mean, yeah, it, it sounds like you mostly go for for the song to establish that. But if you didn't, let's say, yeah. So if we're shooting an event that we don't have a song for, we don't really storyboard it because what we mainly do is event videos. We don't really do a lot of like the short films and that kind of stuff. That's just, I'm not really drawn to that. Um, so we do a lot of event recaps for marketing and wedding highlights and that kind of stuff. Um, so if we don't have a song, we don't really storyboard. We know what shots look good. So we'll pick a subject. So if there's like um, a podcast movement, Pat Flynn was in the booth recording. So I was like, obviously I want Pat Flynn to be a subject. So even though his shots that I got that I liked didn't make it into the video because they weren't, they didn't fit into the style and on, honestly the length of the video, I got some cool shots of Pat Flynn. Like I got this one shot that I knew would be cool of him walking away because he always has his backpack on and it says Pat on the back of the backpack. So I got him walking away in slow motion, but I knew that I wanted that shot to be in slow motion. So I had to shoot it that way. It's not really a storyboard so much as this shot would look cool at this point in the sequence of shots that I just got. So it's being able to play out that scene in your head and how you want it to look. Yeah. Yeah, nice. That's that's great. That slow motion in the backpack. That was, that's perfect for those that know Pat Flynn. That that uh, that's right up there. So, so a lot of this though, you know, even though you don't use a story, if you got your song, there is that kind of story in there. And and story, you know, with with images and video, you 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 are kind of telling a story, right? So if you're um, What's what's a technique that helps someone, let's say, because, you know, you have, if you have um, some stills of craft or whatnot, that can be harder to do than people. People are very interesting. And yeah. not, not to say that craft isn't interesting, but it can be harder to establish that kind of interest just from motion. What's um, what what's a good technique to kind of tell a story of, let's say, uh, you, you know, just a, a solitary item like a piece of craft, and how, how would you kind of meld that? Yeah, um, I'm actually working on a video right now for a family member. I have a family member who's a jeweler. And oh, nice. Yeah, so a lot of the shots are, you know, of rings and his equipment that he uses because he does a lot of business-to-business stuff. So he's a guy behind the scenes who, all whenever you take your ring into a jewelry shop to get it fixed, they send it off to this guy to fix it. They don't actually fix it there. So he's that guy. So a lot of the shots are of rings and close-ups of his hands and that kind of stuff. So it's not really him doing the action. So I have the movement in there to kind of give it some more depth. But I'm also doing a voiceover. Um, One of the brides we shot last year is actually a voiceover artist. 
So she Perfect. helps me with a lot. Yeah, I know, right? She's really great. Her name's Blaine Salloway. So you can look her up. She, I think she even has a fiber. She's testing out. So go check te- go check that out before she takes it down because she's amazing. Yeah, because um, <laughs> <laughs> she will but, take it down if she's amazing. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. yeah. She, she told me she's just testing it out. So right. I I go straight to her whenever I need stuff. But I'm going to have her do this voiceover. Like I said, it's a lot of like you said, kind of crafty shots. It's rings and necklaces and his equipment. So the voiceover I'm doing kind of attaches to their emotions. You know, it's, I can't remember the word for word, but I wrote it out and it talks about how the rings that you use, that you have in your life, the necklaces that you wear, the heirlooms that are passed down from you, those are important in your life, not just because of how they look, but because of the memories they hold. You know, whenever you look at a ring that your grandmother gave you, you don't look at a ring, you look at the memories that come from your grandmother. Your grandmother used to wear that ring. And if something happens to it, then you're going to be devastated. So you want that ring to be taken care of, and it kind of wraps all in. It kind of puts you in that emotional story. While you're watching these rings being fixed, you get to see where your ring is going to be fixed. You get to see the process it's going to go through, how much care is taken to it. So it, it kind of attaches to the people's emotions through that voice that is perfect. That sounds awesome. I can't wait. To, I, 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 I'm going to try to get you when, when you're done to be able to see that because uh, that yeah. makes a lot of sense. The emotional impact and getting that connection, you know, especially with um, something like uh, jewelry, it does it does have an emotional impact or uh, pottery, let's say, or, or anything you use on a regular basis. Yeah, it, it does. It's got that history behind it. So drawing that out, um, I think it's interesting what Amazon does. They'll highlight some of their handmade artists, and and they'll put them in the shots doing their, uh, you know, creating their craft or yeah. um, doing yeah. some part of the process. Um, you know, because that that is part of part of the story. And you know, the, the person caring for that uh, jewelry is also, you know, if you can see his his uh, him in motion, it kind of can draw you to to the person too. But yeah, that story, that's, uh, that's pretty cool. So what, uh, so that's what you're working on right now. And, um, what have you, you, you've got your podcast too, that you do, and you've, you've been, uh, uh, can you tell us a little bit about, uh, that and what you've learned so far from, from your guests on the show? Yeah, of course. The podcast is called finding creative success. And it's a podcast for people who want to make money with their camera. And I interview people who are making a living with their camera, whether it be a photographer or a videographer. Um, and in that show, I don't talk as much about the tech. It's more about the mindset and the business side of being the creative behind the camera. So it goes in, you know, I talk a lot about websites and uh, I have a show coming out here in the beginning of August where a couple of Brittany and John Hahn from New York City, they talk about the website and how they structure the website. They have 70 plus weddings a year now. So, I mean, you can wow. imagine. At, <laughs> That's at, a lot. Yeah, at $4,000 per wedding. Oh, wow. They have 70 weddings okay. this year. Yeah. So, <laughs> they're really crushing it. And they talk about the website. And honestly, Repeat Productions, my video production company, I'm redoing the website right now because of the two or three people that I've talked to about the importance of communication on your website. So, I used to think that my website was just a portfolio. So when you went to my website, you went there, it had some videos and a contact page. And that was it. There was no talking. There was no back and forth. There was no informing the client. I figured I'd just do that on the back end. 
there you're talking about how important it is to keep them informed with the website. It's not just a portfolio. So, and that that's partially the way I was trained, not by Brent, but by some other people that I knew in the industry. They just treated their website like a portfolio. They had five or six videos up. But I'm redoing my website now because of what I've learned through this podcast. Um, yes. That's really cool. And, and to, you know, one of the points you make is that, you know, it's 85% network, 15% technical skills, right? Oh, yeah. And so oh, your, yeah. your website is part of that networking process. As you say, you don't just throw up um, some of your uh, things in a contact page. You create uh, a, a dialogue. And part of that dialogue, like we said earlier, is the about page and really giving yep. people a window into who you are and engaging them through questions, which you've already started to do on your website is asking people, you know, what's your uh, pain point, so to speak? What's, what, are you, what are you having trouble with right now? Um, and so that, that's great. Uh, and so you, you're seeing some good um, uh, uh, things from you, from, that you've learned so far and applied uh, from the guests uh, on your show. What, what's a couple other things that you've, you've kind of taken away? Um, the communication was a big part of it. Then I had an interview that went live this past Monday with a guy named Chris Simmons, and he just had so many things to take away from. We talked about hiring second shooters because one thing I struggle with with hiring second shooters is that giving up part of that quality control. That Because my fiance shoots video with me, so I've trained her over the past year, year and a half. And if I hire a second shooter, I haven't trained them, and I don't. I don't, I'm not them. I can't make the choices for them. So if they come back to me at the end of the day with shots that I don't like, I hired them. I, it falls on me. I have to make a great video out of whatever they shot. So giving up that kind of control, he talks about that. And one of his quotes um, that he learned from his mentor was that there's graveyards all over this country full of irreplaceable people. And it, I thought about that for a second. It's really cool because everybody in those graveyards at one point was probably in a position where, like me, they're the only person that can do the job. And if they let go of any quality control, then everything's going to fail. When, in fact, those people are now dead and life still goes on. You know, So don't stress too much about having all of the control. Right. Delegate out some stuff and make your life easier and make some friends in the process. Yeah, or you know, go on Fiverr and get, get a voiceover that uh, you know, someone has done. And yeah, from Blaine Salway. <laughs> yeah, exactly. While she while she has it up there, we'll have a link in the show notes, right? Um, well, great. So, what's what's a, a moment of creative success for you? Like when you feel like you've kicked it? Um, what's what's kind of an example of of creative success for you? I've had a couple that relate to podcast movement. Getting in touch with John Lee Dumas, and I, I remember where I was. I was at a church. I was up talking with some friends at a church in their sound booth. And I was just hanging out, and I got that text message from John Lee Dumas, or you know, whatever it was, when he responded to the page that I sent him to, where he said that he checked out the page, and it's a heck yes for him. He wants us to come out. In that moment, I was just sitting there looking at my phone. My friends are still over there in front of me talking, and everything else just disappeared except for that email where he said heck yes. And I just, I knew I was on to something with making those connections and reaching out, and then followed up by that, by them reaching out for us to come on the cruise and shoot a video on that. And then followed up by Dan and Jared asking us to come back and podcast. And those little moments when you get those emails that show that people want you to be there, despite, you know, for podcast movement this year, they said that they had people in Chicago 
reach out to them to make a video for free in exchange for a ticket to podcast movement. Other videographers reached out to them. And instead, they paid for us to come up there to Chicago from South Carolina to shoot the video because they like our work. So, yeah, those kind of moments for me are where it's at. Yeah, when somebody else has said, you know, yes to you and, and, you know, we believe in in what you're doing because we can see, you know, what you do is, is good. Uh, that's sweet. Yeah. I like how you described it, how, uh, everything else dropped away except for the, that email. Right. <laughs> yep, yep. So for, for people who, um, you know, want to, uh, learn more, you know, and also you, you have a, you have a great, uh, free, uh, ebook, um, out there that's going to really help people a lot. Can you give us a, a little, you know, a little bit of description on that? Yeah, the uh, like I said, the podcast is for business-minded people, but the ebook is how to control light with your DSLR. So for photographers getting started or videographers, if you need help with like ISO or shutter speed or have any of that kind of stuff, this ebook is about a twenty or twenty-five page ebook. It's really in depth. It shows you different techniques. I want people to know the business side. That's why the podcast is there, so I can interview these people who are making five hundred thousand dollars a year being photographers, but. In order to do that, you also know how do you have to use your camera. So I created the ebook for that. And if you go to findingcreativesuccess.com, there's a link on the right, uh, the sidebar there with a link to that ebook where you go and you can literally download that ebook completely free. You uh, put your email address and it, the email is sent directly to you within like two minutes. Um, you'll have that ebook and you'll be able to go through and learn more about your camera so you can apply that as well as the principles learned in the podcast for how to make your business thrive. Nice. And lighting is so essential. I mean, you, you really need to control your light as much as possible. Right. And that, that ebook uh, sets it up for you on, on how to do that. Correct. With your camera, at least the setting within there. So you can use, um, the established light. Uh, Obviously if you, if you've got, uh, you know, craft and whatnot, you do want to have, uh, try to control the auxiliary light, but you go into techniques on on getting the right settings and yeah, with photography. That. Yeah, I talked about long exposure shots. So if you want to take uh, photos at night and you want to like be able to see the starry skies and be able to see in the dark, essentially with that long exposure photography, I talked about that technique and different techniques about like whenever you're shooting video or photography and you want like that bright point of light to look like a bright star, like you want that just magical effect how to achieve that with your, just the camera and the lens. It's no Photoshopping. It's any of that. It's just all in camera stuff. So yeah, I go in and talk about all that kind of stuff, um, in that ebook. And I created, like I said, I want people to be able to know how to use their camera in college. I had a friend who went to a concert to shoot pictures for his friends who were just starting a band. And when he came back, every shot was just underexposed. Like, it was oh. com- yeah, it was completely black because of one of those simple mistakes that he made with that exposure. He didn't realize it. So I created the book to help people kind of get kickstarted on that. Right. Right. Which, you know, anybody <laughs> always double check your settings. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. Nice. Well, Matt, um, you know, it's been awesome having you on this show. And you, uh, thank you so much for all the great, uh, you know, techniques and, and ideas there. And, you know, people can uh, definitely check out your podcast and your site, um, right, to uh, findingcreativesuccess.com. And, uh, you know, looking forward to seeing the other people you have on your podcast there and uh, all the things, great things uh, you can learn from, from, from your guests and from yourself, too. Um, So thank you very much for being on the show. 
Yeah, of course. I had a great time. Thanks for having me.